0: This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. You know, they have over 150 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from, with new (coughs) pins coming out every month. (coughs) See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com, and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code, Fansets. We are
1: Star Trek. This week's episode of Trek Geeks is also brought to you by Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection. You can bring home the Enterprise D from Star Trek The Next Generation for only $4.95 when you sign up today at st-starships.com slash trekgeeks.
0: Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order.
1: undisclosed location, which we're probably just going to delete from the record anyway, at Podfleet Command. Greetings, everyone. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star Trek podcast. Welcome to Trek Geeks. We're very excited you're here for episode 159, or as my co-host might say, -er. (laughs) (laughs) 159-er. And that's his chuckle right there. We may as well introduce him um, because he never existed and, and was never here. You never saw him, so there's no proof of it. He's the um, he's the very, very clandestine Dan Davidson. And Dan, mm. decloak, buddy. It's time to come aboard.
0: Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here for uh, episode 159-er. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a fun discussion, as always. When are they not fun discussions, Bill, other than when you're involved in the discussion? Um, wow. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because uh, this week we're going to tackle one of the all-time best episodes of Deep Space Nine as we continue along with the 25th anniversary celebration. We're going to talk about In the Pale Moonlight. Now, Before we get started, I do have to apologize. Last week, as many of you listened uh, to the show, and at the end of the show, we always talk about what's up next, and we talked about the fact that we had to delay our conversation with Vic Mignogna, and last week I said, hey, it's going to be this week, woo! Well, I was really excited about it, and I was so excited that I forgot that it's actually not going to be dropping until the first week of December, so (laughs) (laughs) people hoping to talk to Vic or to listen to Vic, you're going to have to wait a couple more weeks, but i got to tell you, it's going to be well worth the wait. So instead, we're going to talk some DS9 with one of my all-time favorite episodes, man.
1: Well, in one of my two, and if we've talked about recently, I mean, the writer of this episode, or the guy who contributed the story to this episode, has written a couple of episodes we absolutely love and just didn't realize it was him. Hmm. This is um, this is an episode that made my top ten list the moment I saw it, and uh, it, it's been there ever since, and I can't wait to dive in on this particular episode. Dan, something else I can't wait for is for you to tell the fantastic people that listen to Trek Geeks how they can get in touch with us over whatever electronic means of communications they desire.
0: It's almost as easy as posting the weekly casualty report in the wardroom, my good man. Uh, it's very easy to do so. Just head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact where you will find a variety of ways to get in touch with either Bill or myself. You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. Uh, you can fill out the contact form and type us out a personalized message. Or you can just click on that big blue button on the right-hand side of the website and leave us a message with your very own voice using SpeakPipe. And uh hey, don't forget, uh, we say it every week and we will continue to do so. The place to be on Facebook these days is Camp Kittimer. Bring your Trek talk and your Trek pictures and just your Trek love and uh, join over 1,100 other friends to talk all things Trek. Of course, we will also bring you Hopefully every Friday, the Friday Commute Celebration where Bill and I will do our weekly lip sync, so uh, look forward to that. To join the group, just head right on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to take part in all of the fun. But as always, we would like to thank our wonderful admins, Heather, Jackie, and Dan for the amazing job that they do running that camp. We could not do it without them. But uh, Bill, please remember that any messages or comments that you leave in any of these these places may be used in a future episode.
1: <laughs> Was that your best Vrenak?
0: Not my best, but we might hear that later.
1: Thank you for being honest. I appreciate that. And so do the <laughs> listeners. It's what sets Trek Geeks apart from so many other podcasts. <laughs> Just how bad I am? <laughs> uh, <to> your honesty. <laughs> Dan, it's time for the news from TrekNews.net, <laughs> spanning the Alpha Quadrant, <laughs> for all the news on all the Star Trek's yo. <laughs> <laughs> it's TrekNews.net. <laughs> online at treknews.net. Here's what I want to know. Do your dogs howl downstairs when they hear you do that, or are they largely unaffected? I
0: will not comment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dan, up first, Star Trek Las Vegas, our summer destination every year, is only eight months away. In fact, 261 days as we record this will be in Vegas And Creation is already letting us know who's going to be attending next summer. The first announcement is a bit of a surprise to you and me.
0: It was a very big surprise, like a jaw-dropping surprise, at least for me. Um, In addition to Walter Koenig being announced as a return guest, uh, the lovely and talented Nichelle Nichols has been announced as a guest as well. And I found this to be truly wonderful news but I also found it very surprising, based on the recent reports of her declining health and beginnings of dementia, and we saw her in Vegas this year, and we were, we were both uh, quite concerned about, about how she was doing. Uh, we certainly hope her health has improved, uh, and she's not being taken advantage of, because it would be great to see her uh, again in, in Vegas this summer.
1: Yeah, I don't, as much as, well, let me back up. I'm glad that Walter's going to be there. Um, I'm very excited by that, believe it or not. Um, I'm, I love Nichelle. I adore Nichelle. As we've talked about here on Truck Geeks before, Nichelle Nichols was my first celebrity crush and I was helplessly in love with her as a, as a boy. I love her still today. I still got goosebumps when I got to meet her at STLV this year, but, uh, I'm here to tell you I'm disgusted by the people representing her and I don't believe that she should be attending conventions anymore due to her condition.
0: See, that's the thing that, that I was really concerned with, um, because we read reports, uh, this past summer after Vegas about how members of her family were trying to get court orders to protect her. Um, and, and so it was a shock to see this announcement come out. So, uh, I, I say, I, I say that I'd love to see her out there just because I love her so much, but I don't disagree with you at all in that I think it's time that she needs to take care of herself.
1: Yeah. Or that somebody with some degree of responsibility in her life needs to help take care of her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not assessing any blame. I'm not making any accusations. But uh, let's be honest. Nichelle Nichols has signed her photos with blessings, mm-hmm. the word blessings for decades. And in the middle of signing my photo, she stopped, was very confused, and had to ask someone how to spell the word blessings. Yeah. Um, I was dismayed. Um, I have had a parent, uh, that suffered from dementia, um, who has passed away within the last couple of years. And I understand exactly, um, uh, well, I shouldn't say exactly. I'm not a medical professional, but I understand on some level what it means. And I, as much as I adore this woman, um, I, I, I am almost heart sick that she's going to be there. I will stop by and tell her I love her once again this year, because I figure that, um, that's the least I can do. But um, if anybody repping Nichelle Nichols is listening to this, you should be ashamed. Well said, man. Well, Dan, in other news up next, we now know that there's a Picard show planned, of course, as well as a new animated series. And new rumors are starting to pop up for other shows. This latest one. I'm sure you were very interested in.
0: <laughs> Dude, I could not be more excited about this rumor, and I hope to God that this comes true. Um, it piqued my interest when I read it, as I'm sure you know, because I was frantically sending you messages. Um, according to reports, Michelle Yeoh is in discussions with CBS for a Star Trek spinoff series about Section 31. You know, uh, I know a lot of people hate Section 31 because it goes against what Star Trek is all about, but I have always loved it. I hope that this is a real rumor and that it happens. Um, I am am head over heels in love with this idea, man. That's all I can say.
1: I I have to wonder if an actual, you know, multi-season series is sustainable. As far as Section Thirty-One, here's my hope. I hope it's a seri- a, a, a progression or a series of mini-series, mm-hmm. like four or five episode arcs once in a while with Giorgio and Section Thirty-One. I think that would be far more interesting to me um, as far as the development of that character. What say you, Dan?
0: I kind of like the idea, if this is what you're talking about, American horror story type thing where every season is completely different, could even bring in new characters who are part of Section 31. Uh, something along those lines, I would be very uh, thumbs up for. Well,
1: that's very interesting. I hadn't considered that. So yeah. the anthology type series that some fans hoped for when Brian yep. Fuller was announced is, is right. kind of where you're going. Mm-hmm, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I might be able to buy that. Um, I, probably easier to do in the Star Trek universe with a concept like that than necessarily a, your average uh, or not sorry your your usual starship crew because no one in Starfleet's average.
0: You're damn right, Mister. You will like it. Whoa! Hey, yeah. this Got uh-huh. this.
1: Got very ugly, very fast. Section Just like thirty-one. Your face. Uh, like whoa. your face. Yeah. 31. Well, Dan. Speaking of Star Trek Discovery. Fans have a couple of new ways to watch season one as this episode drops. And uh, I don't know about you. I'm going to be spending some quality time on my television pretty soon. Uh-huh.
0: Yes, yes, yes. There's always good ways to watch Star Trek. As we record this very episode, my Blu-ray set of season one is in the mail. And I've been tracking it furiously. Uh, it should arrive tomorrow here in Merrimack. Uh, but if you don't want to wait for the DVDs and the Blu-rays or whatever you want to call it, uh, you don't have to. Um, and if you don't have CBS All Access, you don't have to wait either, because you can now purchase Discovery Season 1 on iTunes. Uh, the entire season is available for $34.99, or you can download individual episodes for 2 dollars each, which is kind of cool, but why would you not want the whole season? Um In addition to the, the, if you purchase the entire season, you're also going to get 11 bonus features, which is very cool. And additionally, iTunes is offering sale prices for all of the other Star Trek live action series. So uh, head on over to iTunes and download some Star Trek, yo.
1: You know, it's interesting because um, originally I had pre-ordered Discovery Season 1 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that Best Buy came out with the Steelbook presentation, yep. which I wasn't initially going to do, but I've decided that's what I'm going to do. So I'm actually going to stop by Best Buy on the morrow <laughs> and pick up my copy of Discovery Season One. Um, uh, just I, I'm looking. I'm glad it's coming out on Blu-ray. I can't wait to see it on Blu-ray. I think it's going to look fantastic. Um and uh,
0: (laughs) I've got that's gonna be great. I've got that fanboy
1: squealing. I'm more interested in the special features. I mean, obviously, I've seen season one about three times already. But um, well, you know, it takes time. You got to watch it sequentially. Super fan. Hey, you're a super fan. One seven oh one. I forgot. That's that's true. I am.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, very excited about it.
1: I can't wait to hear the updates as you continually watch where the UPS truck is on the map for the live updates. (laughs) I can just see the the messages coming into chat now. Oh, my God. He's turned right onto my street. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: now with the new ring doorbell, I can see exactly when he places it on my (laughs) step. I hate
1: you so much. I hate you so much.
0: Hey, as we wrap up with news, uh, Bill, I did want to do uh, one brief mention. Uh, As we record today, this is important to me because um, growing up as a huge Star Trek fan, I was also a huge comic book fan. And uh, we lost a pioneer today. Stan Lee passed away at the age of 95 today. He, of course, created the Marvel Universe, which in recent years has just exploded on cinema and television. And um, that universe that he created was a wonderful one for me when I was growing up. So I want to pass along my condolences to all of his family and friends and thank him for everything that he contributed. Excelsior. Bill, uh, you know, Halloween has the great pumpkin, mm-hmm. and Christmas has Santa. Oh yeah, and um, the the holiday in between kind of gets ignored. So I'm kind of thinking that Thanksgiving should have something like I don't God I don't know the, the magic turkey monster, so that um, we can get fan sets pins as presents next week. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good idea. Would um, Would the
1: magic turkey monster look like you? Because that's what I envision.
0: Wow. I was kind of thinking like a like a cookie monster big bird mashup from Sesame Street.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously, um the guys and gals of fan sets are just so awesome. Their pins are awesome. Um Everything about them is awesome. I love them so much, Bill, that even you are awesome to me right now. And man, that is saying a lot.
1: <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, it's November, so we're almost coming up on mid-month, which means we're going to get the first of two new releases. Dan, don't forget, I mean, this month we're going to see two awesome ship pins, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And let me see if I get this from memory, um, because I've been waiting for this. It's the Zindy Aquatic ship. Yes. Which, oh, I, I, I can't wait to see how that looks on a pin. And then it's also the Kelvin Timeline USS Enterprise, oh, which yeah. NCC1701. I mm-hmm. can't wait for both of these pins. They are going to be very quickly added to my growing stable of fansets pins. Um, <laughs> I've got a whole wall in my Qubit work that is nothing but fansets pins. And I'm running out of space. So one of two things has to happen. I need a bigger office. <laughs> or i i've got to start taking out a wall in my home to put these <laughs> these pins on well, and yeah yeah because they're not going away so i um i can't wait to see both these pins of course they're going to be beautifully crafted you know this high quality pins you know the post construction is fantastic there's it's easy to be a fan of fan sets because their product is just so superior
0: it is great. And uh, I was talking to the guys at Fansets uh, just uh, this past weekend, and they did want to pass along uh, their apologies. There is a small uh issue with production uh for the ships this month. So that's why there's been a slight delay on their website where we haven't seen that Zindi Aquatic Starship, but it is coming and we can't wait. I wonder if you can like put that in water and see what it looks like because it's an Anyway, um, a special bonus for Trek Geeks listeners. Here it comes. Every week we do it. If you want to receive 15% off your entire order at fansets.com this week, just enter the word Moonlight at checkout. All capitals, no spaces. Moonlight, M O O N L I G H T. The code is going to be available until midnight on Monday, November 20th. So don't delay. Go get your pins because fansets is pinpoint accuracy. And we thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode.
1: Dan, as we transition to the main chunk of content for this particular episode of Trek Geeks, we're going to consider what has become one of yours and my all-time favorite Star Trek episodes, and that is Deep Space Nine's In the Pale Moonlight as we continue our 30, uh, sorry, 25th anniversary celebration of this fantastic series. Uh, typically, when we start one of these, I ask you if you recall the first time you watched it, and I'm fairly certain you do mm-hmm. but what I really want to ask you is, do you recall your feeling the first time the episode ended
0: i was i loved it I've loved it from the first time I have seen it. I was excited. I thought it was diabolically genius what Sisko did, regardless of whether or how Star Trek it was. But just what he needed to do, which I'm sure we're going to get into very deep discussion with shortly, I thought it was a fantastic episode from start to finish. And the very end was one of the things that I love the best about it.
1: I agree with you entirely. I thought it was the most surprising ending to a Star Trek episode in a very long time at least one that wasn't a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that it presented a character and a Starfleet that was very much in crisis. So uh, for those who may not have seen it for a while, or at least to level set everybody, why don't you give us uh, like a really brief, high-level, super, you know, uh, super fast overview uh, uh, to describe this episode? Like a couple of sentences.
0: Uh, Okay, let's see. Federation's losing bad. Cisco needs to do something. He gets Garrick to do bad things, and they trick the Romulans into joining the war against the Dominion.
1: That's actually really good. Here's usually <laughs> the phrase that I use. Cisco mortgages everything he and Starfleet believes in to bring the Romulans into the war against the Dominion. Fair? I like that. I like that. In okay. fact, it's interesting. Um, here's what Time Magazine actually wrote about this episode. Oh, whoa. And I quote In the Pale Moonlight was the best of the war episodes. The Federation is losing, friends are dying, the planet Beta Zed, homeworld of Enterprise's counselor Deanna Troy, has fallen, and Captain Cisco hatches a complicated plan to fabricate evidence showing that the Dominion wants to conquer the Romulans. His aim is to bring Romulans into the war on the Federation side. As Cisco gives up his principles slowly, one by one, in order to make his plan work, you expect Trek's simple moral verities to prevail. It is dumbfounding and chilling when they don't. And I think that that perfectly describes what occurs in this episode and how the viewer feels. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: I absolutely agree. I, I, can, I can remember a couple of occasions during this episode where I'm like, oh my God, what is he doing? what is he doing the big one is which is i've never actually gotten over in 25 years is that he's an accessory to murder that is just something that has always blown me away and so it is dumbfounding and it is it is chilling that he does what he does and it happens and it's not it it it, it doesn't stop and he's like i can't do this i'm starfleet doesn't matter he does it and it's it's like wow
1: it kind of blew Vreenak away, too. hey Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <Nice. laughs> sorry, sorry. You know, it's not uncommon for this episode to be ranked among the highest, not only of Deep Space Nine, but of Star Trek in general. And that has honestly surprised me over the years, because as you mentioned just a few moments ago, this is an episode that is very unTrek like There is no brighter future in this episode. There is no doing the right thing despite what it costs in this episode. Um, Because, well, I I suppose that's debatable in one sense, but Cisco does the exact opposite of what a Starfleet officer should do simply just to help ensure the future of humanity. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it in those terms, that's pretty staggering. I mean, I don't think that's something Ben Cisco ever thought he'd have to do when he put that uniform on.
0: What's the phrase? Um, All's fair in love and war. And this is a perfect example that he thinks anything's fair in order to get this war to end. So he does everything he can to make sure that happens. And it's – I, you know, I've talked before about – I don't know if I've talked about it on the show. I know I've talked to it with you about how movies like Saw and all of these other really crazy movies that, that these people write these stories that are just unbelievable. And where is this imagination coming from that people can write these stories? And this is a perfect example for the Star Trek writers to go in and do everything exactly opposite of what we, the fans, would expect in a Star Trek episode, and they make it work perfectly this is a perfect example of a non-star trek star trek episode that is is a a classic and one of the all-time best like you said in the entire star trek franchise
1: i mean let's be honest here cisco makes some incredibly horrifying moral choices in this episode Mm -hmm. um it's like he says in his log you know he he lied yeah, he admits it. You know, he's, he's essentially an accomplice to murder. Or if you go back to the beginning of the episode, you know, the, the, the format of this episode is something I think is just absolutely beautiful. I think it's perfect. The, the entire episode is a captain's log and we see the entire thing in flashback. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, in a way, it almost calls me back to the way TOS was with the captain's log, where in, in the first few episodes of TOS, the log was always in past tense. And we would see the action as if it were a flashback. And that's exactly what happens with this log. And he's like, and Cisco says, it's only been two weeks. I need to talk about this. I have to justify what's happened, what I've done, at least to myself. I can't talk to anyone else, not even to Dax. Maybe if I just lay it all out in my log, it'll finally make sense. I can see where it all went wrong, where I went wrong. Mm. And that's really kind of off-putting from the moment you hear it. Here's a Starfleet captain Admitting to himself and to his log, essentially us, that he's done something that is not good, and yeah. and it's very uncertain as to what it means. As we get start to get into this episode, I, I'm really kind of blown away just by the initial captain's log because Cisco, who is normally very confident, is anything but in that opening teaser.
0: You don't you don't ever see him drinking either. And, and that actually, I mean, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but I'm also serious when I say it. You don't really ever see Ben drinking. And here he is telling us, the computer, everything that went wrong. And he's got a drink in his hand for the most of the time. Um, and he's got his uniform, is uh, caught me with his britches down type of thing. And yeah. um, it's, it's, it's not a Cisco that we're used to seeing, but at the same time, I can totally see Cisco doing this stuff based on what we've seen and what we will seen will see rather with Eddington and with the episode with Bahala and what he uh his obsession uh with that. It it's it's not out of the realm of what we might expect from Cisco based on what we've seen up until this point.
1: Well, and it's interesting to me because in this episode he uses his captain's log as a, a sort of de facto confessional. Mm-hmm. You know, he lays out in the open his sins, for want of a better word, um, for for the record. Or at, at least so far as we know before we get to the end. And it makes me wonder if he's ever felt compelled to do this in the past. You know, certainly, you know, in the, maybe the days after Wolf 359 or maybe after he met Picard when he had such, you know, uh, intense rage. And then resolved it, you know, after uh, Emissary. It makes me wonder if he's ever used his log before as that sort of confessional. And maybe I'm the only person that's ever wondered that. I don't know. But I figured it was a very interesting and uncomfortable spot for us to see Cisco in.
0: I've never thought of that, of him doing that in the past. I think with everything that, you know, he's become more and more Central to the Dominion War as it's gone on, and more and more one of the uh leaders, I think Admiral Ross is probably only the only other person who's higher than him uh, at least uh, as far as I can tell, and the stress uh of of being in that position, knowing that the Federation is being beaten as badly as it has been. Um, when I look at that and then look at some of the examples that you just mentioned as bad as those things were like Wolf 359 and, and everything like that, I don't think he has been pushed to what he's been pushed to at this point in the war. And I think he has a, I think he feels singularly responsible for what's going on. Uh, as Vreenak points out, oh, and the man who started the war with the dominion. Um, so it's, it's. It's someplace we haven't seen him before, in my opinion.
1: It's interesting that that he calls out specifically that he can't talk to Dax about this. Dax, who is probably his oldest friend, mm-hmm. and it, it makes me wonder if Jadzia would have understood that, or at least I, let me rephrase: if Dax would have understood, yeah, um, because Dax could have very easily have been in in this particular situation, you know, as as an advisor to to Benjamin. Sure. One of the things that strikes me about this episode is that, and I'm going to bring this into modern day for a second, is that people love this episode because it depicts a Starfleet at war and the things that they do to save the future of humanity. Yet, however, we've seen recently that people have issues with Star Trek Discovery for doing (laughs) this exact same thing. (laughs) And it makes me scratch my head a little. Um, Now, certainly this episode encapsulates it into 40 three minutes or whatever the runtime is for the episode. But Michael Burnham is not in an, uh, in all that different a spot in Star Trek discovery in a way.
0: I take that with a grain of salt, to be honest with you, man, because as we know, people are going to complain about issues in discovery simply to complain about issues in discovery. If they would take a moment and do what you just did and explain One side versus the other when we're looking at what happens on Deep Space Nine and what we happen and what we see happen with Discovery. They might have a different opinion, but unfortunately, um, for the people that are going to dislike Discovery no matter what happens, they're just going to come up with anything. That, and, and I mean, I be, I may be being a little extreme and a little harsh with, with that, with that, uh, statement, but I stand by it based on what we've seen. The people that love Discovery, they can compare these two episodes without a problem. The people that don't like Discovery won't because they don't want to. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, no, I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But it was just something that struck me as I rewatched this to, to prepare for our discussion tonight. It's like, you know, the, the situations really aren't all that different. I mean, humanity is on the line. You know, the Dominion's going to take over Beta Z in this episode. And, and that means they've got a foothold in the Alpha Quadrant, which means very soon the Federation is going to be you know, surrounded on a couple of fronts. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot at stake because if they can take Beta Z, what else can they take?
0: Yeah. I, uh, the thing that just popped into my mind as you were talking was Cisco brings the, the Romulans into the war doing what he needs to do. And people are okay with that. Um, Starfleet gave Lorel a button to blow up the entire Klingon homeworld. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just as harsh. Um, I, I don't know. We could go back and forth on that one all night.
1: <laughs> well, Dan, we're going to have more of our discussion on In the Pale Moonlight in just a moment. But we want to take a few moments to tell everyone about Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection. You know, they're announcing new ships to the line all the time. And there truly are some amazing things on the way in 2019.
0: I can't wait to see all the different things that they're going to be uh getting out there to us fans in 2019. These ships are amazing. They're officially authorized by CBS Studios. Um, they're available only from Eagle Moss Collections. And, uh, I gotta say, Bill, they're, they're fantastic. You and I have several models sitting at our desks and we love them. We love showing them off. Each model's made of diecast metal and high quality ABS materials. And then they're hand painted with reference to the actual CG models used in production or photos of the original studio models, if they still exist. So the detail is there, that is for sure. Um, it's the ultimate collection of vessels from across the Star Trek universe, from the original series, all the way up through DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, TNG, the movies, and I'm not going to do it this week. I'm going to give everybody a break, even Star Trek Beyond.
1: As Dan has been reading that copy and, and making his comments, I've been flying my little Eagle Moss NCC-1701 <laughs> in front of my webcam, and he has had no idea. This thing sits on my desk all the time, and I love it, Dan, because you can see right now it's in its display base, which mm-hmm. I absolutely love because it just makes the Enterprise look like it's floating there. It does. Every ship in the Eagle Moss fleet comes with one of these display bases. Plus a collector's magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, there's design sketches in there, and a breakdown of the technology on board, which I just love every time I get one of these ships. So subscribe to the collection today to receive your first ship, the USS Enterprise NCC-1701-D, for only $4.95 with free shipping. Additional models, and there are already close to 150 of them, believe it or not are going to ship twice monthly, and they're going to be delivered directly to your door. Now, as a subscriber, you are also entitled, get this Dan, to free gifts worth over 90 Dollars? What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for only four dollars and ninety-five cents, you're getting all this stuff. And of course, you can cancel your subscription for any time. Although I don't know why you'd want to. <laughs> Full details can be found, of course, at saint trip <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> try again. <laughs> Full details can be found at saint starshipscom slash geeks
0: there you go, buddy. I knew you, I knew you had it in you, man. <laughs> but uh, for folks who don't want to uh, join the subscription, uh, you can purchase your own starships individually uh, by uh, going to shop.eaglemoss.com or heading over to your local comic book shop. And for just a few dollars more, you can also take part in a great, great collection. It is awesome stuff.
1: And sincere thanks to Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection for sponsoring this week's episode. So, Dan, let's talk a little bit about Benjamin Sisko. He, um, as we've observed before the the discussion about Eagle Moss, he's in a very different place. And in this episode, there is compromise after disastrous compromise. (laughs) In a way, um, it's not really death by a thousand cuts, but every time he turns around, this thing snowballs. It's like... It's like dominoes continuing to fall one after another, and he's hoping at some point for it to all stop, but it it just doesn't. It gets about as worse <laughs> as it can be, and it starts with Garrick saying, "Ah, yeah. By the way, I'm gonna need a guy named Grayson Tolar."
0: Yeah. Actually, it starts with you. the first word you just said is where it starts, and that's Garrick. Uh, Yeah, But yeah, Graython Tolar. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what race he is, because I don't know if we ever find out. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at that. But yeah, let's bring somebody who's uh, going to be executed by the Klingons, which must make him pretty, pretty bad. Let's bring him in to help us out. I'm sure everything will be just fine.
1: He's about to be executed by the Klingons.
0: Yeah. Well nah, no big deal. Yes.
1: Yeah, so he hasn't done much. So the first thing Garrick does is say, Hey, we're gonna need a criminal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so Cisco's like, Uh, okay. So he uses some muscle, he gets Tolar released and sent to Deep Space Nine. And when Tolar finds out that Garrick is involved, he sobers up almost instantly, man.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. That's it's Another thing that I love about what Deep Space Nine does is how they handle Garrick and just the name. And that guy was like, whoa, 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 what? Okay, I'll go to my quarters. I mean, he's just <laughs> – Garrick instills fear in everybody.
1: Well, love and just it. keep in mind, uh, Garrick's not a member of the Obsidian Order. What are you talking about?
0: No, no, he's what? just a, ta- oh, he's a tailor, and he was a gardener on Romulus, man. That's all.
1: Plain, simple Garrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, you're not afraid of a guy because he's plain simple Taylor. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there. So uh, already Cisco is is not at ease. And then what does Tolar do? He gets into trouble. So that's then, yeah, just a little. So Cisco has to do something else that's totally out of character for him and he has to bribe Quark of all people to drop oh. the charges. Oh, I know. You're face palming right now, and and I I think I'm I'm doing that mentally, too, myself.
0: Because, you know, all of these things, the slimiest thing that Cisco has to do is stoop down to Ferengi bribery, because Tolar kind of stabbed Cork, so. Eh, kind of. it happens, you know, it's Quark. We can, huh, it's Quark. So, um, but yeah, so he, and you can see Cisco, it's like, blah, he's got like cooties all over his body because he has to bribe Quark in order to make sure that nothing is on the record of Thon Tolar being on the station. And that's probably, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm, I'm joking. That's gonna be one of the things <laughs> Cisco probably hates most about this whole thing.
1: <laughs> well, and he's gotta provide some kind of explanation to Odo. Yeah. You know Odo who is, you know, the law. The, he's the he's the man on the station. Mm-hmm. And Cisco has to say, "Yeah, um he's not really a friend, but he is doing some work for me." I would say stop right there. What do you mean that a criminal who is going to be executed by the Klingons is doing work for a Starfleet officer? Could you kind of back up and, and unpack that for me? I can
0: It's classified. Oh, that was too Kirkish. I'm sorry. It <laughs> really was.
1: That was. You're crossing your captain's.
0: Sorry. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. So uh, and
0: but I I will say one thing, man. Is as much as Cisco hates doing the bribery with Quark quark is the happiest ferengi in the world you can just see how excited he is that humans will go to whatever extremes they need to and he he proves his point that he's been talking about for years uh when this bribe happens i thought it was brilliant
1: oh i agree with you you know uh, quark i i think you know couldn't be happier unless somebody unloaded a big bag of latinum and that's essentially what happens <laughs> that's right yep Where where's port. Cisco where's Cisco gonna get latinum I'm just gonna throw that out there it's round more in stomach <laughs> maybe <laughs> it's under his pillow <laughs> those weird triangular shaped pillows on deep space yeah, yeah yeah it's so comfortable looking <laughs> so as if that's not enough the only thing that's gonna get them the ophthalytic data rod is oh I don't know one of the most controversial and banned substances in the federation which is a whole bunch of biomimetic gel and that scene with julian and cisco's office is outright fantastic mm-hmm. you know bashir says everything he should say the thing is we'd want a starfleet officer to say yep and yet cisco still hands him a pad with orders on it i'm gonna need this order in writing please sir I
0: love that, that line. And I love that scene because you just said it. He's being Starfleet and Cisco isn't. And you can see the dramatic differences between the two in just that minute and a half scene. It's, it was, it was brilliantly acted and it really showed the core of what was going on in this episode. I did like, however, that even though Bashir knew how wrong it was, he was going to follow the order by Cisco as much as he didn't want to. That's well, exa- what Starfleet's about
1: also. Exactly. But you look at the look that Sid has on his face in that scene, mm-hmm. and it says two things. It says, one, what the hell are you talking about? And two, I can't believe you, of all people, are asking me for this.
0: Right. You got to wonder how much respect was lost between uh, Bashir and Cisco because of that scene.
1: Uh, yes, that's exactly what I thought the first time I saw it. You know, anytime that Dr. Bashir has the moral high ground... Yeah. It's it's really a questionable situation because this was a guy who was kind of a creeper the first couple of years, kind just, of. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm being <laughs> I'm being generous because you know he did something good in this episode. <laughs> Granted, we're we're six years in, but you know, um, but uh, that scene is really kind of off putting because it's with that you realize just how deep Cisco is in now, and mm-hmm. you think that it can't get any worse, but oh no, my friend, oh no, it does. What? And uh, yeah. So they get the data rod prepped. So Tolar has created the holographic simulation. They write it to the one time only optolytic data rod and they give it to a Romulan center named Vreenak who shows up on deep space nine by invitation. Yeah, that's a situation that just uh, doesn't really go as planned, does it Dan?
0: Yeah, you said it after every one of these steps, you can say, can't get any worse. And it gets worse. And it gets worse. And after the biomimetic gel, can't get worse. He gives the rod to Vreenak. Can't get worse. Vreenak knows it's a forgery. That's worse. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's Yeah. It's the ultimate snowball of hell episode. And you know, when you're watching other TV shows where things just keep going wrong for somebody there's a movie called pure luck with martin short and danny glover things just go wrong and wrong and wrong and you don't feel bad and you don't you don't you kind of like wow that's this poor guy with this oh my god you're just like i'm i'm doing it again i'm palm because you're like oh my god can it get any worse for ben and it just does and it gets worse and worse and and you're like when is it gonna end because it doesn't Wha- seem like it ever will
1: well, and then here's, there's his captain's log at the beginning of Act 5 of this episode. I'm going to read that because I just happen to have it here in front of me. That's good preparation. So it all blew up in my face, all the lies and the compromises, the inner doubts and the rationalizations, all for nothing. Vreenak was furious. I can't say that I blamed him. I'd have reacted the same way. After telling me in no uncertain terms that he intended to expose this vile deception to the entire Alpha Quadrant, he got back in his shuttle and headed home there didn't seem to be anything more to do so i went back to work and two days later we got the news and dan Sh- what news was that shuttle go boom <laughs> <laughs> free got blowed up blow
0: it up yo uh-huh mr garrick that slimy sneaky son of a b
1: <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah this that's it. this makes the the tal shiar believe that the dominion is responsible because what are they going to find in the wreckage? They're going to find an ophthalytic data rod that's damaged. And they have to assume that what's on there is real because it could have been damaged in the explosion. So what else? What other conclusion is there? And, and obviously,
0: res- I'm sorry ahead. to interrupt, and obviously the senator was killed because he had this evidence.
1: So Cisco goes down to Garrick's tailor shop and punches him halfway to Tuesday. <laughs> Trek Tuesday. Trek Tuesday. And he discovers yeah. that Garrick's plan really was to assassinate Vreenak all along. Really?
0: But let me ask you this.
1: Don't you – aren't
0: you happy that that's what Garrick's plan was the whole time? Because he knew that was what was going to have to happen in order to get the Dominion into the war. He used Cisco like a puppet the entire time to get that to happen – but it's what we wanted to happen anyway.
1: Well, and in fact, you you segue us beautifully right into the next discussion point, which is Garrick. Mm. So, I was looking at Memory Alpha for this episode, as I am often wont to do when we talk about Star Trek, and um, there was this nugget in Memory Alpha. Andrew Andrew Robinson nominates this as one of his favorite episodes after The Wire, Improbable Cause, and The Die is Cast. According to Robinson, this episode is about garrick teaching cisco that quote you can't go to bed with the devil without having sex end quote and that's from the star trek deep space nine companion page 555 the the object lesson here is there is a cost to everything the question is are we willing to pay it mm-hmm. and i th- i find it interesting that andy robinson chose those words because he it really does sum it up quite aptly i think
0: I think so too. And and I actually have the Star Trek Deep Space Nine companion. So when we are done recording, Bill, I am going to turn to page 555 to read that for myself because that is an amazing quote and it is 100% accurate when you're talking about this episode. I think it's great that that uh, uh, Andy Robinson uh, thinks this is one of his favorites. I was going to say that this one is right up there with the wire. I hadn't thought about improbable cause and the die cast, but it's it's right up there, and it's it's really uh, it really makes me feel good that someone who played such an important role in this episode also feels as strongly about it as we do.
1: Yeah, you know, you figure Cisco goes to Garrick because he can't really bring himself to do these things he needs somebody who he knows can without hesitation Mm -hmm. and really the only person on board is garrick you know nobody else can fill this role and garrick you know manipulates everyone he comes into contact with in this episode including some he doesn't come into contact with Mm -hmm. you know and ultimately cisco gets what he wanted you know and he doesn't necessarily have to do it himself or use his own hands. Although, in a way, I think he really does.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. It, it's – it goes to the – it really makes you – if you really want to sit and stop and think about how the mind of an Obsidian Order agent works, you don't have to go any further than this episode. You don't have to watch any other episode but this one possibly to get to get that idea that he can – he can cause ripples without even being near the people that he's affecting because he's so good at what he does as this Obsidian Order agent. Oh, but wait a
1: minute. He's not an Obsidian Order agent Order, or – I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, everybody that Garrick knows that he calls on for this favor is murdered on Cardassia.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, yep, that's how
1: uh, that's how far-reaching this is. I mean, within a day, yep. within a day. Uh, Garrick tells Cisco earlier in the episode he's going to have to call in all of his favors, mm-hmm. and he proceeds to, and to a person, every single one of those people is murdered, and th- th- that just amps the stakes up. Yeah, you, you know, you the, you the body count is Garrett. the body count rises. It's not yeah. just. A Romulan senator, his four guards, and one criminal. It's also everybody that Garrick talked to on Cardassia. So already, there's at least a couple of dozen people.
0: Do you think that Garrick has a problem with that after the fact that he called in all these favors for Cisco, and now all those favors have dried up and they're all dead?
1: I don't think he does. If it helps Card or it helps Cardassia become liberated from the Dominion, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Um, I think if, if they don't win the war, I think it's a different story, but I think that probably the only reason Garrick agreed to do this is because he knows Cisco and knows that if, if Cisco's coming to him, it's that bad.
0: Yeah. And it was that bad. And all it cost was one dead Senator, one criminal, and the self-respect of one Starfleet officer. I don't know about you, Bill, but I'd call that a bargain.
1: Well, and even then, Garrick doesn't exactly get the body count right.
0: <laughs> no, he doesn't. Not at all.
1: Because <laughs> there are four Romulan guards on board that shuttle.
0: Ah, there. It's, uh,
1: <laughs> the equivalent of red shirts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about some central questions. Um, first of which, is, is this the most un-Star Trek episode ever?
0: i don't know um it all depends on how you want to define un star trek um we talked about how this is i mean it's it's an un star trek episode i when i say what i just said i mean other episodes how un star trek are they i mentioned before the finale of discovery this year with giving laurel the the button literally to destroy the entire klingon homeworld i mean that's pretty un star trek but it happens um I don't I don't know, because there are some Star Trek elements to this episode. We talked about it a little while ago with the way Julian is. He's still going to stand up as a Starfleet officer. But, I mean, it's on Star Trek. I mean, there's no two ways about it. But the most on Star Trek episode ever, that's kind of hard for me to answer, buddy.
1: Okay. I, I can accept that as an answer. What about I'm you? Gonna go, I'm going to go with I think so. You know, if there's an episode that, that really kind of is the opposite of, of everything we watch Star Trek for – with its politics and its its assassination plots and its its lies and its cover-ups and its its twists i think that this one probably is it but that leads me to my next question which is if we love star trek and the message why do we love this episode <laughs>
0: i i actually think part of the reason is because it's on Star Trek. It's not expected, and it does it in a way that works. If this was a, an episode that just sucked and didn't make any sense and and had no ramifications and and it was on Star Trek, people wouldn't care about it at all. But it works, and it works perfectly, and it has to work because of the situation that the Federation is in at the time. And I think that's one of the reasons why it is so loved. And And you can have episodes of the series that aren't Star Trek, which are still fantastic and love them. Maybe just for straight entertainment value, maybe for the acting, maybe for the special effects. But for me, the un-Star of it is why I love it so much, because it's we're not expected, but it works great.
1: So this takes me to my next question, which is, does this episode work with any other character than Garrick? I mean, does it have to be Garrick in this episode?
0: Yep. Who, who else Who else possibly could it be? It can't be Dukat. Dukat would never do it. Um, it can't be Odo. It can't be any of the cast that we know. Uh, no. It, 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 if, if Garrick is not part of this series, this episode, in my opinion, doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you, I think. I, I think that it has to be Garrick. And I don't think that this episode could have worked with anyone else. And, um, and,
0: go and here's the other thing, Bill, is this episode speaks volumes to the character that was not a regular on the show yet should have been. This is a perfect example of what Garrick was like. We got to see more of what Garrick is like in this episode than any of the other ones, including ones like The Wire and Improbable Cause and The Diaz cast. This one shows what Garrick was and still is. And I think that's another reason why this
1: episode doesn't work without him. I I think you put it perfectly. I I can't envision another character in Deep Space Nine for whom this works. Not Romulan, not Klingon, not Cardassian. It's gotta be Garrick because yeah. Garrick is Garrick is it. Um next one is is the blood of all the Romulans that die in the war on Cisco's hands now? And can he really live with it?
0: That's a good question. And I would say yes and no. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I actually think a lot of the blood is on Garrick's hands. Cisco um, went to him and Garrick put this plan in motion. Now, you can look at it as Cisco is the top of the chain, so all responsibility eventually falls to him. But he's not the one that played all of the parts the way that garrick did to get exactly what happened to happen so for me i think a lot of that blood is on garrick who probably doesn't care but i do think cisco can live with it if it was on his hands
1: interesting i do think it's on his hands and i have to i go back to act two to make that decision He's like, maybe I should have put a stop to it right there. Maybe I should have said, "Thank you very much for your input, Mister Garrick." I will take your suggestion under advisement, and then gone back to my office and forgotten the whole thing. But I didn't. I, I, he makes a choice to involve Garrick and to proceed because at any point he could have bailed out of this. He um, could have, it,
0: but I'll, I'll give you, the, I'll, I'll, I'll counter with this: he could yeah. have done exactly that. But once he piqued Garrick's interests. I th- if he had gone the other route and shut it down, Garrick would have manipulated him to the point where he would have started it up again. I firmly believe that. Okay, so that's fair. I think that I think that um, had he decided to shut it down, it still would have happened. It may not have happened exactly as we saw it, but Garrick he had the idea. Once that idea was planted in Garrick's head, and he started working on what he was going to do, it was going to happen because he's that good at what he does.
1: Well, alrighty. And then lastly, you remember last time we talked about Inter Arma Einem Sealant Legas? We talked about Admiral Ross. And we talked about his sort of culpability and, and what blood was on his hands as a result of his dealings with Section 31, with the Romulans, with whomever. Um who <laughs> who who's who's the uh, not really that either of them's a villain, but who's the bigger villain in this? Cisco or Ross? Oh, that's
0: a that's a great question, man. I I don't know with right off the top of my head, it's really hard for me to decide. I would have to say that with this what the the, the magnitude of what happens with this incident bringing the Romulans into the war and the amount of deaths that are going to occur, I might have to lean towards Cisco, but that kind of takes away from what I just said a few minutes ago about Garrick. But if I'm choosing <laughs> between Cisco and Ross, I, I'm thinking Cisco. I, I really think with what happens in "In the Pale Moonlight" versus "In a bag Baggage Baggage
1: is 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 more. I thought you were Cab Calloway there for just a second. <laughs> I can't do that cuz of Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. <laughs> Spotify screwing us again. Damn. I um, I I have to agree with you. I I think that and I mean they're both starfleet officers. They're both trying to do what's right to ensure the future of humanity and our survival. Mm-hmm. But clearly they make some questionable decisions. There's there's sort of that that gray area in Deep Space 9. And I think that both of these characters encounter it, but I have to agree. I, I have to agree with you. I think Cisco clearly goes further over the line than Ross does. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anybody from Romulus is going to pay the price because they were duped into joining the war. Yep. Yep. Very, I, very I, fascinating set of circumstances.
0: It is uh, Spock talk.
1: I like that. Fascinating. <laughs> spock talk <laughs> debuting in 2022 from Trek <laughs> Um So Dan, final thoughts on in the pale moonlight. Um, certainly an episode that can be watched and rewatched and watched again. But, uh, does it, is it any, does it get any better for you? I mean, it's already awesome, but do you appreciate it even more now? I think
0: I do because as, as with anything that you watch over and over again, you're going to find little things here and there every time you watch it again. And I, I can't pull out a, a specific examples right now, but I know that that has happened on many occasions. Um, that I find this one little thing that I didn't realize before and helps tie all things together. And the other thing that's great about this episode is is even people who may not have seen it in a long time really just sit there with their mouth open. And you do that after you've seen it 20 times. You sit there with your mouth open seeing what's going on. When I watch this to review for the episode that we're recording here today, I watch with my wife as I always do with these episodes. She loves this episode. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. She's like, what's it gonna happen? Oh my god, it's a fake. And it, it was just it, it watching other people watch this is also something that makes me enjoy it all that much more because it's so not what they expect either.
1: I have to agree with you. The first time I saw this episode, I actually saw it alone and I was just blown away. Kind of like Vrenak. And <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> hey I'll be here all week. And uh, it it still gets better and better for me with every consecutive rewatch because I'm just, I'm all in on it. Even though I know what's happening, I sit there and I go, oh oh, man, oh, (laughs) oh, it's just, I wince every time that that this gets further away from Cisco because it's just written that well. So Dan, that is In the Pale Moonlight. It's one we recommend everybody rewatch. Or if you haven't watched it in a long time or have never seen it, it's definitely one to add. Um, All you need to know is that there's a war going on, because I think this episode kind of stands alone.
0: It does. It does stand alone, but at the same time, the ramifications for what takes place later because of this episode really, really gels – what's the word? Great – because great's not a good <laughs> enough word. <laughs> it's, 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 it's okay. It's it's thumbs up. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an all right episode. It's
1: it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Danny, you know what else is way better than all right? That's the music of Five Year Mission. We are so very excited that we get to play their music on each and every episode of Trek Geeks. We want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Download year four, which is their latest album, uh, their latest spectacular album, I might add. It's, uh, I was listening to it on the way home, as a matter of fact, tonight in traffic. No better way to spend that time than listening to some 5YM. So going out to 5-Year Mission, get all their albums and become a huge, huge fan. You knew it was inevitable, Mr. Smith, that this was going to happen this particular week
0: on Trek Geeks, based on the episode that we're talking about. And now we're talking about 5-Year Mission. You know, if Rittenhouse discovered that the drums were a forgery... If he realized that we were trying to trick them into the war, it could push the musicians even farther into the enemy camp. If worse came to worse, they could actually join the war against us. And I had the distinct feeling that victory or defeat would be decided in the next few minutes.
1: It's a fark! I don't know why I didn't expect that.
0: You didn't expect that. Are you kidding because me? <laughs> I,
1: I I should have. I, I would have believed that that you would bring something to the oh. table that I just uh, that was gonna blow me away, like Vreenak. Um uh, boom boom. Uh but I don't know why I wasn't expecting it to Fark. Uh Now I can never hear that scene the same way again. Damn you. Mission
0: accomplished.
1: (laughs) Yes. That's fiveyearmission.net. Dan's farkism aside, it is a fark. Go get all those tunes, yo. We promise you're going to love them. Dan, next week we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about something that we are sure a lot of people who listen to Trek Geeks can relate to.
0: Yes, uh, we are. I am so looking forward to this topic, buddy. And kudos to you for this idea. We were talking about what we wanted to come up with for next week's episode. And this is just fantastic. You know, the holidays are fast approaching. And that usually means adding to our Star Trek collectible collections, if that is a real phrase. Um, so with that in mind, next week we're going to talk about our all-time favorite things from our individual Star Trek collections. Toys, uniforms, models, Games, autographs, pictures It's all fair game And we're going to discuss discuss it Next week on Trek Geeks Your independent
1: Star Trek podcast I can't wait for this, we're going to talk about some oh. things that I've never Owned and wished I had too <laughs> uh, Because that list grows By the year Going all the way back to the 1970s I tell you what man, I wish, if I'd had some of those toys now ooh. Oh. There's so
0: many cool things, and as we get older and look back at some of these things that were out in the '70s, we're like, "Oh my God, why do I not have one of those?"
1: I know. Or wh- why did I? Why did I not keep it? So, like, oh, ouch! Yeah, Dan, that's next week on an all new Trek Geeks. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions. They're online at the TricorderTransmissions.com, and of course, for all the news on all the Star Treks, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 159 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper.
0: Computer, delete that entire coconut podcast.
1: Delete your face. Really? Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They are writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their
0: music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and
1: discoveringtrek.com. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bing Bong! <laughs> I was waiting for the air to run out of your lungs.
0: <laughs> how are you? I'm good. Oh, my God. The Haunting of Hill House is so awesome.
1: <laughs> I, um, you're through episode eight? Seven. We're watching eight after we record. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We finished it last night. I'm not going to color your perception. Okay. Yep, I think. fine. I think I know how you're going to react to the finale. Okay. And I look forward to hearing your take on it at some point. All right. It'll be this week. I guarantee it. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm very sore.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, man. You should be very proud of yourself for what you did yesterday at the Park of Fenways.
1: Uh, yes, for those who may not have listened to the outtake last week. And well, of course, you may not hear this if you listen to the outtake this week, or don't listen, I guess. What? what? I ran the Spartan race that was uh, inside Fenway Park, home of the Boston Red Sox. And, um, it's only it's only three miles mm. but uh, there's about 20 obstacles and it is not easy now people who say that uh, oh this the the, uh, the stadium Spartans are, are are easy compared to the other ones I'm sure they are but they're not easy
0: yeah it, it it looks i I am definitely doing it next year based on the videos that you've sent me but uh it, yeah it does not look easy it looks challenging but it looks fun at the same time.
1: And I walked a good portion of the course simply because I had to because of my Mm -hmm. foot. It Mm -hmm. took me about 90 minutes to finish, which is about twice as long as an average person.
0: Look at it this way. You're getting, you know, you're getting to enjoy the park that much longer.
1: I saw parts of Fenway Park that I never knew existed. Huh. You know, various concourses and, well, there's a garden where they grow things inside, inside Fenway Park.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah. And I didn't obviously get enough information on it because I was in the middle of running a race. (laughs) But um, I was fascinated by that concept. I'm like, wow. Um, So there's some kind of sustainable, you know, garden that is inside Fenway, uh, presumably for uh, either spices or herbs, or maybe it's hops. I don't know. But I thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah, that is cool. I think one of the things that I like most yesterday, when you texted me that about your experience and were and were sending me messages, was that you were in the visitors' dug, uh, visitors locker room. Was that it? Yeah, I was. Out. I was in the, the visitor's, visitors'
1: clubhouse. Yeah. The
0: visitors' clubhouse doing push-ups, and you probably did more athletic work than the entire Los Angeles Dodgers when they were visiting for the World Series.
1: <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> that was awesome. So we come into the uh, into the visitors' clubhouse, um, and. Immediately you have to bust out like 20 pushups and Spartan pushups are different. Your chest has to hit the floor mm-hmm. and then your arms have to be extended out almost like Superman Yep. Um, before you start your next pushup wow. and you do, you bang out 20 of those and then you leave and you head out through the tunnel, through the visitor dugout onto the field and then around the warning track for the final lap. And it was, it was an amazing experience. I'm not going to lie. It didn't teach me about the things I couldn't do. Because there was plenty I couldn't do. Yep. It it helped me realize all the things I was absolutely capable of. And nice. somebody made a joke today that I got a participation trophy. And no, there is no participation trophy at a Spartan race. You show up and you either finish or you don't. And if you right. finish, you get a medal. And I got one, baby. There you and, go. And uh, it was hard work and worth every, every minute of it.
0: That's awesome. I, I can't wait to do it with you next year, man. I'm really
1: looking forward to it. So... I have an idea, and we're going to kind of drop this here in the outtake, and we'll see what kind of response we get from people. I've had the idea for a live show that we can do, not probably in 2019, but maybe 2020 in Vegas. And instead of just a live podcast recording, the idea I have is sort of a, a... Not really a TED Talk, but sort of that type of presentation about Star Trek. So the challenge I'm going to issue to listeners um, is what would you want to see in a presentation like that? Because obviously TED Talks are personal on some level, but they tie into a greater subject matter. But I think that that's something that we could make entertaining and uh, and also very relevant to Star trek as it exists uh, or has existed over the last fifty years so what do you, what do you think about that
0: I think that's very interesting it'll be uh it'll be it'll be very cool to see what people's initial thought is on it so um anybody listening to the trek geeks podcast outtakes this week, please leave your comments over at camp Kittimer blah 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 blah
1: or it, uh, <laughs> it can hit us anywhere whether it's anywhere, social media yeah. or email or yeah. Um, you know, podcast at trekgeeks.com or or wherever they want. They can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Yep. But I'm just going to sort of throw that idea out there to germinate. Uh, I mm-hmm. have a couple of ideas in mind, but I'm curious to see what people think if they make it this far into the outtake. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> which is a risk. <laughs> it's a risk anytime. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm
0: shutting off right now. Bye.
1: <laughs> oh, it's the best show ever. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was just a sort of an idea I had. I, and you and I can talk about that more offline. But uh, I was sort of playing through it during the drive home because I, I don't know what, I really don't know what it was that gave me the idea either. You can up sort with of good ideas from time to time.
0: Uh, you came I, up with a, a really good one today, which we'll be talking about when we record the show here in a few minutes, which people have already, will have heard by the time they get to the outtake. Wow, that's really just weird, hard, really hard to wrap my head around. But Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's sort of timey-wimey.
0: Yeah, uh, Dr. Doctor Brown and the DeLorean going eight
1: miles an hour. Yeah, no, let's pick some good time travel. All right. Oh! Come a long way for the power of Genesis. Wow. Oh. <laughs> come a long way for the power of Genesis. Oh. <laughs> and for anyone asking, that was actually Bill and not Dan.
0: Yeah, yes, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm sure everybody knew that, Bill.
1: Why wow, you're a jerk? <laughs> I hate. I'm going to take my Spartan medal, which is very heavy, and beat you across. the I was going to say you could swing
0: that. that across the the uh, like do a whip shot and just probably just smash my temple right in.
1: Oh, oh my God! I'm
0: giving you good ideas.
1: Oh, you just you made my day. I'm going to daydream about this for for weeks, weeks. Go ahead, make my day. So did, Ooh. Hey, so, Hey, If you can believe this or not mm. um, Thanksgiving is next week yeah, I don't believe it, really Thanksgiving in the United States I should say For, mm. for people who listen around the world And so I'm going to put you on the spot And uh, since we're in the outtake And we can do whatever we want in this part of the show um, what, are you, what are you thankful for By way of the podcast this year, Dan?
0: You all put me on the spot um, It all comes down to you and me, man To, to be perfectly honest I mean, we're doing something that that we love based on our friendship, and and it has just continued to grow over the past year. Um, I think, I, I don't want this to sound selfish, but I, I'm really thankful for the recognition that we've gotten over this year. I mean, being invited to our first con to be a vendor just a few weeks ago at Albany was, was a tremendous honor. Um, I still can't believe that we're doing what we're doing, and we get to have so much fun doing it. Uh, I, I mean that's just kind of a long winded answer but it, it always will come back down to the to the the base of this being your idea to do this we've done it now this is episode one sixty um not one five one five nine or one five nine uh not including su- some of the supplementals we've done so we've done a lot plus discovering trek and it's still amazing
1: i um I I can appreciate and agree with all that. I'm thankful for the fact that you finally gave in and said yes. <laughs> oh, it I took mean, a year. I mean, it did. It it took a good solid year, and beyond that, I'm grateful that that people actually click the download button or the subscribe yeah. button on a on now a daily basis because we see that all the time. So, yeah. um, we could certainly do this and talk to nobody and still be just as entertaining to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But Um, uh, thank goodness for everybody who who downloads.
0: Yeah. I'm thankful for experiences, and I don't want to sound like we're beating a dead horse because we've talked about it a few times. I'm thankful for experiences like Emily in Albany a couple weeks ago. Mm. Young young girl Mm. listening for the first time, really enjoying the show, really enjoying Star Trek, and we get to see that love of a new show like Star Trek through the eyes of someone who's only 12. Or nine, however old she is, because nine nine years old. And to me, that's very special. Um, We watched at a time when we were that age, but now that we're adults, we get to see what that reaction is on the young generations. And I think that's really very special. So that that whole experience with her and her dad a couple of weeks ago is something that I'm extremely thankful for, because it's something that I have not experienced before.
1: And I really, really loved it. Well, if you've made it this far in the podcast and have listened to two old geeks bloviate about what they're thankful for, uh, truly from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for being here each and every episode. It means the world to us. And, um, Jerkface, if you're ready, we're going to do this.
0: Shut your head.